Save big money on your outdoor project now at Menards. We have everything you need to keep your outdoor power equipment running smooth so you can keep that lawn in tip-top shape or enjoy some time on your boat. Right now, all FVP, lawn and garden, and marine batteries are on sale through May 5th. Check out our entire selection of FVP batteries today and view our weekly flyer on Menards.com for more great deals. Save big money at Menards. Hello, everybody. We are Matt and Kevin, and welcome to Season 3 of the Believe Overwatch League podcast from the Believe Podcast Network the number one podcast network for professionals. Please like, rate, and subscribe to us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and TuneIn. You can also find us on all social media at Believe in OWL and at Believe.com. This week, we talk Halo, Pokemon Unite, and Overwatch 2. Hello, hello, everybody. Welcome to another March episode of the Believe in Overwatch League podcast. And I think I think this is our last episode of March, if I'm correct, Kevin, right? Looking at just calendar wise, I haven't even actually. Oh, no, assuming wait. assuming that we no, no, next week, record... actually. OK, we are we're, we are going to record next Wednesday. Uh, that's my bad, by the way, everybody. The reason why this is late. Uh. I, I totally slept in after I got home from my shift, so it just got weird. No, no, it's fine. Like I am very I've been very sleepy myself as well. I think it's just I think it's just a natural part of being in your twenties in a pandemic that we just fall asleep all the time. I don't know if it's that or if like legit daylight savings, just because mm-hmm. it like messed yeah. us up a little bit, it's like really rocking us throughout the week. Yeah, throughout the week. See, this so, yeah. is the first time that like I felt daylight savings like actually have an effect on me. Like all the other years that I, it's, that I've been alive, it's just been like, oh, okay, fine. We just moved an hour, and I just I didn't feel the effect. But this this year just absolutely wrecked me. Yeah, I don't know what it is. Maybe maybe we just feel it. It's a it's a certain age debuff, I guess. <laughs> is this a sign that we're getting old, Kevin? Yeah, possibly. I, I hope not. Ugh. That's not that's not fun thinking about our own mortality. Yeah, um, <laughs> definitely not fun. So how have you been in the uh, other times when you're not thinking about your mortality since the past week? Uh, I've, I've been doing okay. I've just been really busy. I'm trying to like balance out everything. Um, I've been, as, as you all know, I've been working out in an escape room for the past, it's going to be three weeks. Um, oh, wow. Actually, almost, a, almost a month. Almost wow. a month now. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm starting to get fully fledged in there. They're starting to give me like full hours now. Um, I was supposed to have full hours today, actually. And then people were like, yeah, we don't need you, you can go home early. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> so, so uh, yeah, tomorrow I have a full day. I'm starting at like nine and it goes until, yeah, it's a, it's a nine to five, but I get to at least watch people suffer mm-hmm. um, in an escape room, which is honestly like a lot of people think that we're out there to like be mean to you and not give you anything. But honestly, like we want you to escape because it makes our job easier. Uh, 
we, but like we don't want to make it too easy like we want mm-hmm. you to 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 think about it but we don't want to like give it to you guys yeah so um, what is the uh, what's the least successful that you've seen so far Ooh, what do you mean like just the rooms in general or like people and groups in general i guess both both let's, okay. let's go with both so we have one of the one of the hardest rooms that we have is one where it actually splits up the group at the very beginning oh so there's a there's a wall between the first room where you have to like talk to each other um a lot of teams get hung up in there just because they're like oh i need something from this side but i don't know where to look and so on and so forth like i'm starting to learn that one because it is a lot of steps but um that one's just a really tough room in general um like i would say like the the toughest groups to like actually teach or like actually like get them to pay attention is just like groups of like i would say teenagers but like just people who just don't care mm. about like what i have to say which i had a group like that earlier today and it was really funny so i did my whole like spiel of like okay this is what you can and cannot do in the room here's your objective um and i'm like there's a certain part of the room where it's like don't worry about these until the very end because like it's not going to help you out get it's not going to help you get there so just like if you see the tags wait for it until the end and then we'll we'll get you we'll get you through and the team was just like absolutely not caring about that <laughs> first second i leave they're all trying to figure out whatever the tag puzzles are and i'm like come on bro like uh i'm just sitting there and they have like 10 minutes left they just get into the last room and i'm like all right my job is done like whatever else i need to give them i can give them slowly but um yeah it's it's gonna be fun what's your favorite thing about working at an escape room uh man that that's actually a really tough one because like i i think the fun part is like every single time that you get a group in an escape room, it is totally different. You don't know what they're mm-hmm. going to do and you don't know how they're going to respond to you. Um, like, believe it or not, like I actually had an escape room. Don't, don't do this people, by the way. Uh, I, I gave a basic clue and like this, this lady asked for it and she's like, she, she flipped me off. <laughs> <laughs> like I have cameras and, and everything like in the room. And she's like, what you're so stupid and she just like flipped me off and i'm like mm, okay uh so <laughs> i mean i'm not i'm not mean i'm not well i am admitting to this now i i guess uh red door don't come after me but this is this is true um essentially when they're not looking at their timer i'm knocking off a minute uh. so it, it's just like this group understands like hey like if i'm the one trying to help you out here with these clues okay so like if you're being rude to me, I can I can literally tamper the way how your game operates. <laughs> wow, I didn't realize and that. It I can be mean, I can be helpful. Like most of the time I'm really nice. It's like if a group is really vibing, I'll be like, all right, if you remember my name, I'll give you five more minutes or I'll give you an extra clue or something like oh, that. Wow. So like it's really not that hard. But like if you're mean to me, I'm gonna be like, all right, whenever your squad is not looking, I'm gonna knock a minute off of your time. And then by the time that you guys don't get out of the room, I won't reveal the puzzles that you missed. Uh, I'll just I'll just walk you to the lobby. You guys could have fun and just just think about that for a sec. So 
yeah. you're a cruel and unforgiving god <laughs> it, it is it goes both ways I, i'm very generous if you're nice but if you're mean to me i i will not hesitate to be mean um but it, it's always better if like you know i'm quiet about it and just uh let it let it work its day you know just like if you're mean to me i'm gonna be mean to you so just 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 don't do that <laughs> Uh, how about you, Matt? How was your week? How's everything going on your end? Um, I have just like I've not been doing nearly as as much as I thought I'd be doing. It's pretty much I'll work, I'll go to rehearsal, I'll come back, I will watch like two or three episodes of Money Heists, and I will sleep, and I'll just do that on repeat. Like I'm not even reading anymore, just because it's just like again, I don't know if it's just being old or the time change or i'm just too overwhelmed with everything but i'm like not playing a lot of games and i'm not reading comics or books as much as i normally do but then again i've just been like buying too many games like i just bought uh well, i bought horizon and then i have elden ring and then i have pokemon arceus that i haven't finished and then i today i, I need to pick them up but i pre-ordered and i paid for uh, the new Kirby game and then the new Tiny Tina game. So it's just there's too much game to play and too much comic to read. And then it's just easier just to like get in bed and watch Netflix till I fall asleep. So that's what I've been doing. Although today, um, since I'm going to go, I'm seeing Joe Coy do uh, his next performance on Saturday at the Forum in L.A. And they're actually taping this one for Netflix this weekend. They're taping. I think they're taping both days and they're probably just going to mash them together. I don't know how comedians record their, their specials, but I'm seeing that. So I started, I've had his book for, since it came out, it's just been sitting in my to read pile and I I'm only getting to it now, but like I, I took half day today to go run errands. Like I had a, a orthodontist appointment and then I had to go to the DMV to renew my license or whatever. And then just like reading in the car on the way to and from, cause my mom helped me with stuff and like drove me places because I didn't want to drive. So I just read in the car and I got like a hundred pages done. So it's pretty easy, but that's like the first actual reading I've no, that's not true. I read house on mango street because the girl that I'm kind of semi dating recommended it to me. So I read that. And then this is the second actual book book that I've been reading in a while. So that's been most the, my week just just general apathy and, and money heist, which is a great show. I really, I recommend it. Oh, and I finished um Cuphead show today, nice. which is pretty good. Like, it's interesting, like game adaptations of shows generally, or movies, generally game adaptations don't do well, but Netflix has been hitting it out of the park, honestly. Yeah, I haven't seen Cuphead, but it's kind of funny that like, you know, uh, Team Mold, uh, MDHR, right? Uh, the, the original people who made Cuphead, right, mm -hmm. based their art style off of, you know, 1930s original cartoons with that. Yeah, rubber, the rubber hose, rubber hose style. I love so, it. So, like, you take that, that became a game, and then that game became so popular that now it's a show again. It's full so, circle. <laughs> it, it's full circle. Now we're going to have a game that's based off of the show that's based off of a game that's based off of a show. So, like, you know, it, it's going to be interesting to see how far this, this rabbit hole goes down. Mm -hmm. Um as for Netflix things that we've been watching, I've been watching The Great Pretenders with my, um, with one of my friends. Mm -hmm. uh, it's a, it's an anime. If you guys haven't seen it, it's kind of like a, it's a con man 
anime with with a lot of jazz, a lot of really cool colors and interesting Ooh. characters. So um, we're almost done with it. We have like four more episodes, which we're probably going to bang out tonight uh, for him. But yeah, it's just been really, really fun. And then, um, yeah, it House on Mango Street is a, is a book. Yeah, uh, I remember reading that. I think I had to read that for. I don't remember if it was it was either freshman or sophomore year mm-hmm. um, of high school. I remember reading it, um, but I know my junior year I had to read like a ton. So I really don't know what what came after junior year in terms of reading. Yeah. But House on Mango Street is definitely an interesting read. It's surprisingly dark. Like, so the reason that I read it, the reason I read it is because like uh, me and the girl were just like, well, we, uh, up until recently, because she's been busy with teacher stuff. Uh, we'd like share like daily prompts and questions or whatever. And one of them was like, one of them that I, I give was like, what is something like a piece of media that you would recommend someone to like get a better understanding of like who you are or like where you came from mm-hmm. or, or just like who you are in, in general. So the one thing that I recommend to people just in general, if they want to get to know like how my life was when I kind of grew up, like growing up Filipino Um because it's a very it's a very singular experience growing up Filipino. It's like very hard to describe unless you know. Mm-hmm. Like, but once you know, you know. So yeah. I, I always recommend like Joe Coy's like first special, his his live in Seattle special, which mm-hmm. I think is the best. Um his his other ones are good, but they're not that level. But just like he describes the experience of growing up Filipino just so so well. Even though he's he's only half Filipino, but he grew up with a single Filipino mom. So he 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 pretty much grew up Filipino. So he, he got mm-hmm. that very well in that special. And then she recommended uh, House on Mango Street. And it's a very mm-hmm. short book. It's very small. It's like semi-autobiographical. It's like a fictionalized biography of sorts. Like mm-hmm. it was, it's, she started writing it as a, a biography, or an autobiography. But then like after teaching kids, like she kind of mixed some of their stories in. So it's now become like a fictionalized novel. Um and I thought it was just gonna be like a series of short, fun vignettes, but dear God, it gets really, yeah, it gets, really dark. Yeah, just, I was like, not ready shit. for that. <laughs> like it, it goes into like kids getting like beaten by their their parents or stuff, or like kids like getting married very early, or like people like the getting the over the death of like a relative or whatever, or just mm-hmm. like the 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 emotions of wanting to get out of your hometown because you don't belong it's i i even though like i didn't grow up in a hispanic family like i think like a lot of the spanish influence like rubbed off into the philippines and also just like in a lot of family-centric cultures in general i feel like a lot of those emotions and experiences kind of translate and and although they kind of look differently depending on your culture i feel like a lot of that experience is very universal it's like that phrase um the more specific the more general it is yeah it's like i i know that that criticism or not that criticism that that idea came out recently with all the criticism that certain people have of turning red being like too specific to relate to but by by being a very specific story it also hits a lot of bases that other people have experienced and I'm getting very off base here, but I'm just that's that's why I read House on Mango Street. And it's it made me think a lot. I, I read it twice, but I was again not expecting it to go that dark and hit my feels that hard. 
Yeah, that that's a tough prompt, honestly. Like, <laughs> so to... Kevin, what is what is something that you would recommend to someone to to better understand you, your perspective, and how you kind of experience the world? Oh, I experience the world. That is t- okay. I guess, man, that is tough. I feel like the the correct answer is a form of manga. Um, but I got to figure out which one. Um, hmm. There, there is a lot to go through. Um, actually, I would, well, that's more of a, more of a learning book rather than a, like, learning about me book. Um, yeah, that, that, that is a really tough question. Because, like, I would say that my, my experience growing up is super different from a lot of people just because, like, my my like school life was primarily like Asians and stuff like that like I I never felt like I was the minority um in in those situations but because of that there was also like pressure of like being you know better than your peers or like trying to you know not only gain favor of like your parents or anything but like it, it might not even be your parents. It's just like the pressure of like mm-hmm. everybody, everybody there has to take like, you know, six AP courses. You gotta, oh, you gotta yeah. get, you gotta get into Harvard or Brown or Stanford or Berkeley or else you're not, you're not doing it right. And then like, I, I'm the weird kid who, who went to art school. So like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm the weird kid who, who goes to art school, talks about video games and like actually has fun with their job. So it's, <laughs> it's totally different. Um, and it's, it definitely is a weird experience, but I don't know what book encapsulates that. Um, so I, I guess I have to write that. Uh, we'll, we'll worry, we'll worry about that later. Um, <laughs> I mean, see, but, that's yeah. the thing is like there, I guess you could look at that in the way that like representation of quote minority cultures is only is, is such a recent thing that yeah. there might not exist any form of media kind of relates to you in that way i just happen to be lucky that joe coy like funded his own goddamn special yeah netflix wouldn't give him the money for it he had to fund it himself i don't know i i feel like a good book is still like the one that like my my ap literature teacher pushed on us which was um you know how to read literature like a professor if you guys haven't read that that's actually like one of my favorite books in general um but it talks about like what certain things kind of mean uh in in books and novels and then like at the very end he's like half of it is just because the author liked it <laughs> like the, <laughs> like there's one there's one like in particular they're like oh the curtains are red to to emphasize romance and the fleetingness of that and like the true artist is just like yo it they're red because like I was looking at red curtains that day and it just so happened to fit in this, right? <laughs> like, yeah, it, it, it's just things like that, that I, I enjoy, like, yeah, you can look into it like ridiculously, but at the same time, it's just for the, the sake of writing um, mm-hmm. and, and enjoying it. Um, and I guess another one that's kind of along the lines of that is um, Hirohiko Araki's book, the guy who wrote Jojo's, he, he wrote a book, on like the principles of manga um and that one's a really interesting one to read too because he talks about like 
the most infamous one is like the tournament arc where like mm-hmm. everybody had a tournament arc in in their manga and he's like i want to have a tournament arc but i don't want to have it be you know like as you progress further on it always becomes like stronger like i want to have like one person who's super strong in the beginning and then like other people who are kind of weak and then just have like one super big boss and um yeah, it's just really interesting to see how he tackled that and still kept it like a tournament arc format in that in that sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, all these all a lot of anime and manga have tournament arcs. So I didn't realize how many that I'm thinking about. Pretty much all the ones that I've watched, there's some kind of tournament that I can think of. Yeah. And then Araki, like his whole thing was like. Yeah, the, the thing that we like about tournament arcs is because it's it has structure, you watch it, and like you know that they're gonna progress right. through this, right? But it's easy to it, it's easy to have like a narrative flow to it. And you know, it's it's got a lot of easy shorthands, like you know who to root for, you know what the goal is, you know like a strict linear progression. And it's easy to throw monkey yeah. wrenches into that. Yeah, and then he said, like, what if we what if instead of like a tournament? It's like you have to still go through X amount of opponents, but you don't know which order you're going to encounter them. So that's the whole plot of like, if you ever watch JoJo's, if you ever get around to it, like season one and two are like, you have to watch it. It is slower. It doesn't have the stands, whatever, you know, the superpower things yet, um, but it's important. And then season three is where he implemented it. Like the, the third part. And when you watch that, you're like, oh, okay, that makes sense. Like, you, they run into like early characters who are really strong, and then later on, they run into characters who are like strong in a different way, not necessarily like strength wise. Maybe it's like, you know, mind manipulation wise. Maybe it's like playing certain different things against them. But yeah, it's a definitely an interesting structure and a really interesting book to read overall. Thank you for giving us the speak into the mind of Kevin. It's it's kind of <laughs> it's kind of a mess up there. Not gonna lie. All right. So anyway, we I mentioned earlier like video game show adaptations, and today is still the twenty fourth when we're recording this, and today's actually the day that the Halo show came out. Which I believe, if you are if you have an Xbox or you have Game Pass, I th- believe that the one of the perks is that you get. I think at least a month of that for free so you can watch the Halo show. I need to go and figure out how to do that because I'm curious because um, based on everything that we've seen from the trailers and everything that the, the devs have said, the show is going to be very different than the games. In fact, like the developers said that they ignored all of the game completely. Like they intentionally did not look at any of the lore, look at any of the games when they were writing the show. Because according to them, they didn't want to um, to tie the show to the events of the games because they felt that that would limit the creativity and their ability to world build because um, it would be too restrictive to, to kind of make sure everything tied in to those games. So the Halo that we are going to get in the show is going to be very different than what we get in the games. Like we've already seen that Cortana is not blue, which for me is just years and years of Cortana. It's very off-putting to see her not blue, just and 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 look like an actual 
human just digitized. Um, and another thing that they're doing that's a big departure from, which this has been done before in other adaptations of like comics and movies when like, I think most infamously was has been Judge Dredd when they when they did that in the Stallone movie, not the the Carl Urban reboot, which was fantastic, but like that um, Stallone interpretation of Judge Dredd, they are showing Master Chief's face in the the show, and like <laughs> it's kind of ridiculous. There's a whole article about like, oh, they they gave us a first look at what Chief looks like with his helmet off. And like we know who the actor is, it's Pablo Schreiber, who is Liev Schreiber's brother. And Liev Schreiber is, I believe he's Ray Donovan, and he played um, Sabretooth in the X Men movie, the yeah, the reboot. So Liev Schreiber's brother, Pablo Schreiber, and one of my favorite comments is like, "Oh wow, he looks like Pablo Schreiber. Who would have guessed?" <laughs> but. Um, Obviously, I haven't seen the show yet because it just came out today. But just with everything that they're doing that's different, I don't know if that's a good thing or not. Like, what what do you think, Kevin? Like, when it comes to, like, and since we're talking about, like, game adaptations anyway, mm-hmm. like, where do you stand on that? Do you feel like adaptations should be more faithful or should they kind of take their own path on it? So I, I I understand both sides of it. Like mm-hmm. one side is, hey, we have a character. What situations can we put them in that, you know, will make a compelling enough story um, that you can understand where they're coming from, right? But at the same time, like, especially when it's tied to like a bigger thing, it's, I feel like it's kind of important to at least acknowledge that it is from a certain like universe right um, right the the best way to kind of like explain this like at least for our podcast viewers is like if they did a whole thing on Cole Cassidy right mm-hmm. if, if we had a entire not not necessarily a movie or like just a series on Cole Cassidy right um, you would go into it just thinking oh, okay this is just another cowboy flick whatever he's just running into like random people and if it if you have no context of like this lone ranger you know cowboy character you can still enjoy it for what it is but when Mm -hmm. you tie it to the universe like you'll draw in more people not only from the fact that like we want to know what this character is like and who they're encountering but also like we know that this could be of importance to whatever show that it's tied to, you know? Right. Right. Because it's like, I mean, even like, even coming from an, well, not even, but especially coming from an overwatch standpoint, like we're always looking to like mine as much lore as we can from every little scrap that we get. So it, it kind of like coming from an existing IP, it has a little bit more of a, uh, of, I guess of a weight and expectation to it, would you say? Yeah. So like if, if it's like tied to the game, I understand the limiting factors of it being like, Hey, okay, now we're in this universe. We cannot do X, Y, or Z. But at the same time, I feel like because you're tying it with the tying it with the property, you have a lot, 
you you have a lot to go off of right um it instead of it being its own thing like standalone like the the reason why this is kind of weird for us is like yes it's halo but the fact that it's like separated from the universe itself right the people who are into the hardcore lore of halo right in general are just going to be like why would i watch this if this doesn't mm-hmm. apply to my game yeah um same thing goes you know it, the other way like if you had a spin-off game and there's no characters who like interact whatsoever like you have no reason to really like bring that in and like <laughs> wait okay 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 i have a really dumb example but this this is exactly how it works so when you were watching the fast and furious right you uh-huh. want you watch the fast and furious you get to tokyo drift right oh god tokyo drift right is its own universe right like it has its own thing and like you have characters who are not in the established universe of uh-huh. the fast and the furious and then you try to tie it in at the end with having you know vin diesel show up and that was not even a part of the script right so if you took <laughs> and then like, it just threw off the rest of the cinematic timeline exactly you don't know what happened to han like all that stuff just makes no sense so when it comes to like so then the question became like why did i watch tokyo drift like why why does that exist and i'm like i i love tokyo drift as a movie honestly one of my favorite fast and furiouses but like in the grand universe of fast and furious movies that one's the outlier and it doesn't add anything to the story and it's unfortunate so that's what i feel like is the same thing about halo like halo Mm -hmm. could be like let's say if it's just if it's an amazing series right like it's the it's the video game equivalent for the mandalorian right like people like actually rave about it it's really good but like at the end of the day if it doesn't help progress whatever like universe it supports why are we watching it (laughs) right right no that makes sense like it's it's like the the bottle episodes or filler episodes and like in anime or just cartoons it's like you always have that episode that's just there to fill out the run and give more content but doesn't have any weight on like to, to progress the story really um another one of my questions on this is like when you're creating a show you always want or like any adaptation um there's there's that certain idea that you want to create something new you want to put your own mark on it that makes it better than just like doing shot for shot remakes of things like um where was i going with it um like you don't want to do like a shot like how what's it called um force awakens felt very much like a shot for shot remake of um a new hope Kind of, and it's like it. It at times it feels like, why am I watching this? It's not really bringing anything new in here, except for the new characters, which I could guess you could argue is the new is what it brought new to the Star Wars universe. But then again, it's like going back to just the adaptation question. It's like, um, where where does do you think the line draws between um, respecting the source material and then adapting it? And, and like having artistic integrity and putting something new in there 
you know like who where does that responsibility like kind of lie when you are creating an adaptation if i'm making sense so like wait just one more time i, I just need so to... like like if you're if you're adapting something right mm-hmm. where what what is more important i i guess is is it is it meeting expectations of the fans and like respecting the source material as it is presented or is it trying to do something new and respecting like your artistic creativity integrity and and vision as the the filmmaker or the show creators Mm -hmm. okay so as a so like in directing like when i when i did go to what i mean i graduated from film school so the idea behind this is like you want to honor the story in a way but you don't have to necessarily follow the visuals everybody has their way of telling their story differently but if you honor like for me like i if the source material moves me i will keep that as is right um but when it comes to like how can i how can i describe this it's just like it's important to not make it just straight up like cookie cut or whatever because you need to add your own flair to it or else it just gets you know lost in lost in the sea of media that we have right now Mm -hmm. um but like i mean if you want to go with a more modern example it's like we've had batman for forever right yeah yeah. we know like we have we have batman for like literally like I the decades have not quite a century but Since like the 30s you know, yeah it, it's it's a long long time like that's 90 years or so so like if you think about that it's like yes you can honor the character you want to honor you know what the character does but you could bring your own take to how it's how it looks um the way how it's edited the way how you know characters might present themselves like the the different iterations of jokers like we've all had great different iterations of jokers and they're not all the same like if everybody played the joker the same way it'd it'd be stale but like since we do have that complex range especially in cinema we have that option to make it your own but also still honor like what the character itself stands for yeah 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 definitely like and, and with the batman thing it's like the fact that it's been done so many times and that there is so much source material, I guess means that you can draw from different aspects of the source material and adapt it. And it's going to look different every time. So I mean, by having an artistic vision, I I suppose, and, and trying to do something different with the source material, I guess you're respecting, like you're respecting the canon in general because Batman changes. Like there are certain immutable facts about Batman that you really can't change like his parents died he's a vigilante at night he's bruce wayne he like billionaire all these certain things like has the cave he has the bat symbol like those things as long as you have like the core elements the the adaptation can can be very different um another thing that i noticed is like i feel like marvel gets a free pass with this a lot like how they like a lot of the time they don't really respect their own canon too much. Like I I haven't seen the trailer yet and I don't know too much about the lore of this character, but from what I understand, they completely changed 
Miss Marvel's power set for her show. And like, while there have been like a few comments about it, there's no real outcry. But whenever like DC or a game adaptation changes a minute thing about their show or their source material, like the entire nerddom goes insane about it. So I feel like it's interesting that Marvel gets the free pass on this when they do it the most often. Like, have we just kind of accepted that Marvel doesn't really care about their source material as much as some other, um, some other IP or some other creators would, or is it because that they just make a good product that people don't really care? Yeah, it, it's it is weird, for sure. Just an observation. Just a, a, a recent observation, mine is like, yeah. I, I don't I don't know Miss Marvel, so it was like I haven't seen the trailer, like I said. So, like, I, just is, the is fact it just that like because like they need to, they either wanted to do something for the sake of the MCU, or is it like because because like some sometimes you you change that just so you can have like I guess like plot things work right out, but, right. Um, I don't I don't know exactly what their what their plans are for that. So if it is that, then yeah, that'd be interesting. But otherwise, uh I, I don't see why you would do that. Mm-hmm. There's like the last thing I I kind of wanted to talk about on my end of this is like the the helmet thing. Like taking off the helmet. Like again, mm-hmm. it's been it's been done before. They did it in the Stallone judge dread there's other i know that there's other things that they've they've done i can't put my head on finger on it where they've they've taken off like a character's helmet or done something weird like that and then halo is now joining this club like where i i don't feel it's really necessary but then again it's like it makes sense that he would eventually have to take off his helmet because he like has to eat and like and other things like that but where do you stand on the um, unmasking an iconic character kind of thing? I mean, I like it when it's done like really well. When it makes sense for the character to do it, like, uh-huh. um, I I guess the best example was like literally the most like iconic one in cinema was like when Darth Vader removed his helmet. Right. Right. Like that's the time that he got to see his son, like, you know, face to face, like with his own eyes. And that's the reason why that moment was so powerful in general. Um, I mean, if, (laughs) if you want to go for like a really lesser version of that, um, you, you take the uh, Genji and Hanzo cinematic, like (laughs) when Genji reveals his eyes and says like, you know, I am your brother. You you know that now. Um, those like it's not a full unmasking. Like I I don't know mm-hmm. what they did with that, but like it is still like revealing something that the other character now knows. Um, it's important. It, it's it's like at least from a plot standpoint, it's important. But um, especially in a trailer, I don't think that's like necessary. Uh, I, I think you want to save that for like you, you want to show the face at like either a point of vulnerability or like to push 
the narrate like to push the story forward um not just as like a oh this is your hot hunk underneath the underneath the helmet by the way (laughs) yeah well that was a fun discussion um i i it's weird how hit and miss game adaptations have been but like again i think netflix is killing it so we'll see if paramount plus which kevin do you know anyone who has paramount plus no uh okay neither do i i I know that their promotion stuff is pretty good like they're they're like trailer things where they have like the nickelodeon characters walking with like dora the explorer and like Uh a whole bunch of other people like that works but like like they have the iCarly reboot oh yeah 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 that that was interesting (laughs) um didn't finish it but got around to watching a couple of those That, that was cool was it was it any good uh how could i say it it's like it's it's very self-aware mm-hmm. of like okay this is what iCarly was and then like all the characters are now grown up and they're like mm, okay that makes sense like this is this is how it goes okay um so moving on uh we t- we talk about like content takedowns on on here a lot but i think the most this one is kind of interesting because it kind of went wrong in a sense um so bungie the bungie game destiny has had a fairly recent history a lot of um copyright takedowns that have been happening on youtube a lot of the um the community videos have been taken down very recently um especially a lot of the um I think this happens usually due to, to music copyright. So a lot of the, the, excuse me, a lot of the um, music archivist videos have been taken down. I know that there are a lot of um, videos on YouTube, or at least there were a lot of YouTube videos where it was kind of preserving music from the first game that is no longer available. So like, this is literally the only way you can listen to the songs from destiny one. So with them being taken down, there's like no way to listen to it. Um, and it counts as a strike against the that certain YouTuber. Um, and I think it's three strikes, right, Kevin? You have three copyright strikes before they like ban you on YouTube. So like the the way how copyright works on YouTube is like if you violate the copyright like infringement law, whatever, uh, most of the time companies will just like demonetize the video. So like any money that you made, like viewers, revenue, whatever, um, just go straight to them. So they, they just make all the money um, and they usually just keep it up. But like if it does get to a point where like a company, for example, or in this example, it is Bungie, right? Or yeah, uh, um, yeah if, if Bungie is going after certain people and saying like you are like going after our company in a way it does become a three strikes and you're out situation. So it, it is really, uh, really interesting. Mm-hmm. Okay. So the interesting part about this is that some of Bungie's own videos were affected by this takedown. So Bungie's in a statement said, we're aware of a series of copyright takedowns on YouTube and we're actively investigating. This include content on our own Bungie channels. 
These actions are not being taken at the request of Bungie or our partners. Please stand by for future updates. So what people are suspecting is that it might have been like some automated program or um, automated detection software that is is not working properly. So the, the software that was intended to protect Bungie IP is now actively attacking Bungie IP, which is absolutely hilariously ironic. Um, but yeah, it's, it's so weird. It's like, the question then I guess becomes is uh, if, if this becomes like the standard where you use like automated detection software and it gets it wrong, like what happens when legitimate companies posting things get hit with a takedown strike on their own thing? Is it just kind of like an, oh, just contact YouTube and undo it? Or is, does it get to a point where it's like it's more trouble than it's actually worth? Uh, it could go either way. Like for the most part, it if the company says like it's okay for X, Y, or Z, or uh, maybe they have to hire somebody to just give the approval on certain things, that that should be well. Um, but yeah, it, it it's interesting. Is if it's uh, it could be in the hands of YouTube itself, uh, but it could also be like the company itself can also take a stand and, and let them know like what they can and cannot use. I mean, I guess it, it is a useful tool for companies. Like I can easily see Nintendo just like letting this automated software have at it in Disney, like just any immediate instances of their content being used immediate takedown. Um, but I guess for smaller companies that I don't know if it really makes sense to do that because again, on one hand, like these companies are very protective of their IP and they don't want they don't want people to be making money off of their IP without like consulting them first and like them getting a cut of it. But also I, I really feel like deep down this is really hurting the image of the company and it hurts the community too, because then people don't really they aren't as free to express their their love and their admiration of your content as they would. And like, yeah, you might, I, I don't know if you really, I, again, I don't know the money aspect behind this and how much they would actually be losing by letting this go. But I feel like the goodwill and the content around your, your IP should probably outweigh any potential money you get from like licensing or um or, or stuff like that because it's like how much money would you actually be making from that I, I don't know i'm rambling again but i feel like you get my idea yeah it's, it's just kind of confusing about like where like what what is the point of doing this if this isn't going to help your brand or help your game in general right like um, honestly how much are these small youtubers going to be really making by posting a video probably nothing they're probably doing it just for the passion of it not because they're trying to make money on youtube yeah so I, I, honestly i just think that you know bungie could just step in and just say like hey like if you're if you're using our content for x y or z like that should be fine um as long as they don't start like you know banning out entire uh like channels and things i think 
we should be okay. But if it does get to that point, definitely appeal it with uh with with the company there. Okay, I've ranted for a while. Kevin, it's your turn to rant. <laughs> Ooh, my turn to rant. Let's talk about uh let's talk about video games. Um I guess the the big one is, you know, Pokemon Unite. I've I've had a lot of stuff go on with that and I'm still trying my best to you know, make my push in there. Um but before we get to my absolute love of that, we we got to talk about the new the new Mario Kart stuff. Uh <laughs> just just real quick. Um last Friday they released the first two cups that they added to the new Mario Kart um, it was a DLC bundle. It is 25 bucks to get all of the possible maps. I believe that there's going to be, um, if I'm correct, I think that there is going to be eight cups total, either eight to 12 cups total um, that essentially like we'll just be keep, we'll just keep getting new maps and uh, stuff added to the game. And one of them um, for the memers out there, we did get uh, coconut mall. So <laughs> If, if you ever loved Coconut Mall on the Wii um, or have seen that video of that guy playing the piano, playing Coconut Mall on a piano that rolls through a mall, um, that that's where it comes from. Uh, so, yeah, enjoy your Coconut Mall. Enjoy, you know, playing the game again. Um, and now we can get to my love and joy, which is Pokemon Unite um, at the moment. We have currently uh, a lot of tournaments happening this weekend. I, I'm not going to. I'll go to sugarcoat it. There are a lot of tournaments. Um, the big one, it is the March finals coming up this Saturday. So um, really excited to see how that plays out since it is like the beginning of kind of a bigger esports scene for Pokemon Unite. And I'm, I'm just excited to see who they bring in. They brought on Frost, um, who we actually covered earlier. Um, and Sierra Dawn is brand new as well. So they're adding more talent to the roster and I'm excited for that. Um, for one, um, as for me, I'm going to be doing a watch party for that. On top of that, I have, a uh, unite clash number eight, which is another Pokemon tournament that's going to be happening on Sunday, the day after the, the big tournament. Um, and I'm also going to be doing a charity event for the unite for Ukraine. Um, so if you guys want to support, um, if you guys want to help out with donations or just just watch some good Pokemon Unite with for charity, uh, go ahead and tune into that. There's there'll be a lot more information on on Twitter once I get around to it. But um, yeah, it should be it should be pretty fun. Go support Ukraine, guys! Come on. Yeah, we, we got some pretty solid merch too. Like we have a we have a town flame with the Ukraine flag. It's it's ooh cool. ooh. You know who else is somewhat supporting Ukraine, Kevin? Hmm. Overwatch is Yay. somewhat supporting Ukraine. I like the um, somewhat here. <laughs> um, the somewhat is that, like, very quietly, Overwatch allowed, um, well, not allowed, they added a Ukraine flag in their player icons in, so you can put up a Ukraine flag. I know pretty much the entire Zomnix went from sporting the, uh, the rainbow flag to now sporting the Ukraine flag. Um, so there's that. That's, that's how they're showing Ukrainian solidarity is giving us that player icon. It's like, I, I remember how um, 
when we were talking to Oak and um, Nika, it's like they very quietly added the the rainbow flag, but they didn't even call it like L- the LGBT flag. They just called it like rainbow or something, which was like very disappointing to them. And it feels like for me, um, they could have done more to show their support. It, this, I don't know. They could have been a lot more vocal about it. They could have done something else instead. I don't know. I don't know what they could have done, but the, the very quiet addition of this feels like they just did it just to do it, not because they actually care. I hate to say this, like, I, you should get greedy with this. Like, the thing that they did with, uh, like, the Mercy skin, the limited time mm-hmm. Mercy skin, like, if they kept doing that for literally, like, every other thing that, is, that has happened during during this time, like, if they raised funds for, you know, like, Feeding America or something like that, like, it doesn't have to be America. It could be, like, you know, the whole continent um or you know the whole world just find a good thing to donate to or like to help out with another humanitarian crisis or something like that like i don't know what you would have to do what skin you would have to add but if that is the way how you're going to support like like get funding to to help you know people in need right now I feel like it would be an okay thing for, for you to make, you know, another, it doesn't mm-hmm. have to be $15 skin, but like, even if it's like a $5 skin, like a small donation, like people will contribute to that, to have just that little bit to help them out. And to, I, I guess the cooler thing is like, you're, you're helping people while helping out yourself, get stuff for the game that you like to play. So, yeah. I feel like they would get shit on for for making it less than $15 because that's what the um the mercy skin was for. Yeah. I feel like on one hand, I feel like that might be giving the signal that this cause is less worthy. But on the other hand, what they could do to spin it in a more positive light, like make it five, ten dollars, and you could spin it as like making it easier for people to support the cause. Like say, like we recognize that 15 might be a lot for people, but by making it like five dollars, we're hoping to like reach more wallets and reach more people and make it easier to support Ukraine in that way. So like you make an easy $5 skin and you look better by doing it. Exactly. Like, I feel like it's, you know, once again, the, I, I, you could draw it to like the Bernie Sanders, like idea of like smaller donations, getting more people involved that way is, right, is right. a better way of doing it. So if that is the way how they want to approach it, they, they should do it that way. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is just another one of those just the, continuing in the ongoing saga of pre- companies like showing support for Ukraine or pulling out of Ukraine. I know that I think I think Anonymous has started threatening companies who are like not actively pulling out of out of Russia to like go in and, and disrupt their servers or their business or whatever, which is um, I mean, I feel like in general, I feel like Anonymous is doing a lot of good in this. I mean, they're at least standing for Ukraine in this. Um, and again, I feel torn on this issue because one, don't support Russia in this at all. But two, like the Russian people are really the ones suffering here a lot too. I mean, besides Ukraine, Ukraine is obviously suffering. But like in in this, in pulling out of Russia, like 
yes, it's hurting the wallets of the Russian oligarchs who really need to be punished, but it's also even more so hurting the Russian people, which like if we if we learned anything from the end of World War One, that just creates the power vacuum for another megalomaniac to step in and use that anger of the Russian people as a weapon against the rest of the world. So while I do feel like Russia does need to be punished, I feel like it might just down the line create an unintended, very bad consequence later on. Yeah, and only time will tell. Like, I I know that this is the reason why we should study history. This is the reason why we do study history so we don't repeat, you know, the mistakes of the past. But although we always do, we always do it. It it happens, and it's unfortunate. So I do think that, like, the only time will tell if this will if this will work, and hopefully, hopefully it does. All right, so moving on to more Overwatchy things. Um, Kevin, you heard about the XQC thing, right? Yeah. <laughs> so can, can you tell everybody about what XQC did, please? Because I just uh, <laughs> I don't like talking about him. I, I think it's funny. Like, he, he was just chilling on a stream. He was like, oh, I, I, you know, I'm just relaxing. And then he accidentally opens Overwatch 2. Like, just, just the beta. Like, he has... He has Overwatch 2, you see the loading screen. He's like, oh, yeah, I'm just going to chill. I'm going to play a game that I like. And then you find out, you know, he, he does have an alpha copy of, of Overwatch 2, um, which, I mean, it it's funny because, like, a lot of us are like, oh, okay, XUC has a copy of it. Haha, <laughs> funny guy. He, he done goofed. But at the same time, like, the other half of it is, um, well, it, it exists. It's not a joke. Um, it, it is here. I mean, it's... It, it will be a joke still until uh, we actually get it. But yeah, hopefully we, we get Overwatch 2 finally and we don't have to like wait another 50 years for it. See, my question is, was that like a genuine leak or was it just like a planned thing with Blizzard? Just because like me now knowing how like studios work and how PR works and how social works. It's like, I, I, I really feel like this could have been just a planned stunt from Blizzard. Either way. I I think (laughs) that I I don't think that XQC would be their first pick though, but like, I, I get it. Like, but I mean, he has, he has the reach though. He does have the reach. He, He has the numbers, which is what a lot of these companies like. Yeah. So yeah, I guess I do understand that part of it. Um, I'm just really surprised that like I- I'm really surprised that like it's still I mean whatever happens on the internet stays on the internet. So like he did do it and it's it's up there now. So now we just gotta figure out uh if it's if it worked or not. If yeah. if we're we're excited for Overwatch 2 because XQC opened it accidentally. Uh but um, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how not only streamers handle it, but also the public now handles it now that they know that it's it's there. It exists. So speaking of Overwatch 2 getting into this, this whole bit, um, we know that a lot of heroes are getting a rework. We know that um, heroes are some of them removing classes. And with like the whole tank rework, Doomfist is being moved from damage into tank, which I honestly think is a mistake. I don't like it. 
Um, and Aris is getting reworked as well. So we have a little bit of information on how their kits have changed. And we have also information about how Sojourn's kit works. So just to start with Arisa, um, again, like the game is being reworked for 5v6. So you're only having one tank, which is going to cause a lot of uh, a lot of pressure on your solo tank. So the a lot of these heroes are going to have to be reworked. Um, so for Arisa, her halt supercharger and barrier have all been removed and changed with three new abilities so the first one is called energy spear and it shoots an energy spear that knocks opponents back and deals damage when they hit a wall so it's like you have like a mini doom fist punch that you can use um she has another one called spear spin which destroys projectiles in front of her while also giving her a little bit of a movement buff and then her ultimate called terra lance Pulls enemies towards her while she becomes immune to any crowd control. Um, and if the ultimate is um, challenged for a longer time, it will deal more damage. So that's Arisa. Doomfist, which it, it just him as a tank is, it seems very weird just because his playstyle feels like very individual, you know, and it feels very like it's very divey, but like solo divey at times. So mm-hmm. His changes are his rocket punch damage has been decreased, but he received a bit of a health buff to compensate for that. Mm-hmm. Um, he has an absorb ability called power block that can be um, that will also give his rocket punch a little bit more charge so that it'll be close to powerful, if not as powerful as it is in the current version of the game. And then his rising uppercut and seismic slam are now instead of different abilities. They are all into kind of one combo move, which is which allows him to have a, a bigger crowd control ability. Um, and then Sojourn's kit was leaked as well. So um, she has a railgun that can one shot many uh, heroes in the game and a disruptor shot that can make them slow. She also has a power slide that gives her horizontal and vertical movement, um, which is similar to i guess baptiste's jumpy boots but just a little bit stronger although sojourn apparently is still a little bit too strong so they're already working on nerfing her based on information that has been leaked from blizzard from the alpha so um i'm interested to see what a character with a railgun looks like and how she will play in if she's already too powerful with that just like one shot KO on headshots. Cause I think she, I think what I read is that like, no matter what the character, like as it stands, her gun can one shot them. So they definitely need to tone that down. Yeah. I, I do like how, like, I, I do understand why they're switching Doomfist or saying, Oh, he's more crowd control anyway. So we have to change that to, to change the way how we play the game in the first place. Um, and we can't make them overpowered in that fact. But at the same time, it's like we, we've grown accustomed to Doomfist, right. uh, you know, being the damage dealer. So, like, I feel like that's the that's the two sides that you got to, like, weigh him on. It's like, if he's full tank, you know, he does less damage, but he has more crowd control, which mm-hmm. is okay. But, like, the other way is just, like, he does exactly what he does now, just without the CC. He's still strong. Like, yeah, 
Uh, so I feel like it it could have went either way. And with with the tank changes, it's going to make it really interesting to see how teams utilize that. Um, if it even decides to get picked up as the tank in general. Um, and then, yeah, they got to, like, we still, we don't know how powerful Sojourn is immediately off the bat. So we know that um, she's too powerful. We know that she's a little, yeah, just a little too strong. So I'm glad that they're taking the time to, like, at least adjust it before they release it. Um, because it is going to have, you know, the new character buff where everybody is going to be like, oh, well, we haven't played this character. Let's all pick her. The, the mm-hmm. insta-lock meta of let's just take Sojourn just to see how it works. <laughs> um, so it's go, it's going to be interesting to see, especially for me. Like, I feel like I haven't played Overwatch in a, in a hot minute with all my friends. So it is going to be very different to, like, go into Overwatch 2 knowing not only, you know, is it a change of five on five, but also change the way how, you know, characters interact and play in general. Right. So do you think it's time for uh, the Philly Fusion to sign Chipsa back? Uh, <laughs> I, would, I would not jump the railgun on that one. You know, just uh, <laughs> just uh, we don't need it. We don't, we don't need it. So another thing that is being changed for Overwatch 2 is that they're, if they're inputting a new ping system um, that's going to replace the uh, the communication wheel that we currently have. Um, one of the things that, well, not one of the things, but so what, what they're changing the, um, the communication wheel to include, it's going to have an enemy alert going in, attacking, fall back, need help, uh, cool down, countdown thing, defending and watching here. Um, what, uh, systems designer Gavin Winter says about this in the article that's actually on the Overwatch website right now is um one of our goals was to augment speech and give people a way to visually interpret voice communication we also wanted to support all voices and create a system to to communicate for players that would prefer to avoid voice chat because we all know voice chat and overwatch is a toxic hellscape and some people especially women don't want to be harassed while playing the game they want to have fun and not just be harassed by neckbeards who don't know how to interact around girl gamers and also sometimes for some of us we play at like two or three in the morning and we are not supposed to be shouting into our games at two and three in the morning so a an improved communication system is greatly necessary um so the ping system and i guess enemy targeting in overwatch 2 is going to be very different in that like for example the, the example that they give is if you're playing Tracer and ping an enemy Reaper, your teammates will hear Tracer call out that Reaper's location. So according to the designer, Adam Poole, um, it's more accurate, clear, and understandable way of communicating rather than hearing someone yell Reaper behind or Reaper, Reaper, Reaper. Um, so it's going to have actual like in-game character voice lines, which we'll have to really... I'm not sure how that would be more clear than like actually listening to someone talk and hear it. Um, Another thing about that ping system is like, for example, if a character like say that Reaper is pinged and they go behind a wall or they use like their wraith form or teleport to go away, the ping system will show their last known location. So uh, it's not going to like 
if you have an ability that makes you go somewhere else or makes you harder to find, like for example, Sombra's invisibility, it's not going to give you away completely. Um, you do have ways to counteract that. Um, but I'm I'm interested to see like what that specific aspect of the ping system, how it's potentially going to be better than a teammate like actively calling out where someone is. So here like this is a real response to what Valorant had in its game immediately, where it's like you can ping certain locations and like give out call outs that way. I do think that more teams are going to be using like at the highest competitive tier, teams are going to be using like their own normal comms to to do exactly what they need to call out because that's just a formula that they have. Um, but like in-game characters being able to make callouts as well is going to be really helpful. Um, not only to just like the game itself, but also to just players in general. Um, especially, you know, the for those of us who are night owls and have to play at like three in the morning, uh, it it does help in that fact. So I, I think that it's it's helpful in a way, but I just don't need it to be like it, it's kind of it's it's robust and like teams are going to figure out a way how to use it and utilize it to the best of its ability so um i i just think it's just another change that we have to get used to this is very random but apparently target is like the target source you know how they have like the big balls in front of target kevin yeah. the big stone balls apparently they're putting like kirby covers on them yeah it's for the new kirby game I didn't know that until I, I just looked on Twitter right now because I got an alert, but that's really cool. Yeah, it, it's really funny because like I had a friend like recently asked like, oh, why does Target have the big balls in front of it? And I'm like, to prevent cars from just like crashing into the store. And they're like, it, it's not just for decoration. I'm like, no, it's, it's, it's a safety thing. Like it, it's it's used for preventing like, you know, people just ramming their car through the store. And they're like, uh <laughs> well now like Kirby that. is the guardian of Target. Exactly. Uh that I'm I'm down for that game too. You know, Kirby, Kirby Mall Security. <laughs> <laughs> Kirby and just Paul Blart teaming up. Oh my god. Um, so for over so far as Overwatch 2, again, we know that it's currently in alpha. They're they're still testing everything. They said that they're going to keep us more updated. If you watched the um, the the state of the game update with Aaron Keller, um, honestly, I don't. It, it felt very disingenuous to me. I I don't know if it's because we're I feel attached to Jeff and like learning about how he really tried his best to shield the Overwatch team from all of the stuff going on in Blizzard. But I just I don't feel that same level of trust in Aaron Keller he doesn't feel very genuine to me he feels like he's just kind of going through the motions I again I I could just be like very cynical and bitter about this yeah it, it I feel like we're just not used to we're just, we're just not used to it yet um I know that we, we have to get used to the the I wouldn't say the new Jeff but like you know he's never gonna be new Jeff he's never gonna be new Jeff nobody nobody could replace Jeff so it's just going to be like us adjusting to it. Like we have a new, we have a new overwatch, like dev guy that we just yeah. have to get used to. So 
It might not be the one that we we asked for immediately, but it is we, we need somebody right now. And that, <laughs> that just happens to be the answer. Mm-hmm. Um but anyway, so the the beta opens on April 26th. If you want to apply to get in, I need to try to to do that for us so you can play it ahead of time, Kevin. You get two entries technically. Because you can enter on your own, and then I can enter for you again with our Overwatch podcast email or whatever. Yeah, we're trying our best to at least get our hands on the on the beta. Just let us let see us, something. Let us see something. Yeah, um, I'm definitely like I I signed up for it. I'm I'm excited to see if I get in. Um, and then you know when beta opens up as well, like I will definitely do something to at least like take a peek at it because. You know, it, it is kind of like a, I guess you could consider it a birthday gift that's like way too late. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> wait, Kevin, it's just, when uh, is your birthday? Uh, the 24th. April 24th? Yes. Okay. I have time. Okay. Okay. No, wait, what, what's going on? No, 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 hush, hush, hush. No, don't, don't worry about it. Okay, cool. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. I'm just going to need your, your address at, at oh, okay. some point. Um, Okay, moving on. So, so, so that Kevin forgets what I just said. Yeah. Uh, Overwatch two, st- not Overwatch two. Um, the new season of the Overwatch League starts in two months with the Battle for Texas. So, um, that's gonna be the Houston Outlaws and the Dallas Fuel. Who, I guess, I th- I really think they're two very fun teams to watch. The only problem with that is that. Um, Overwatch doesn't have any sponsors. They're trying to do a lot more in-person events this season. They're really trying to get back to what Overwatch was the first two seasons that we had it, where it was just a very engaged thing. It had a very strong presence. Like in-person events in the Blizzard Arena were a huge aspect of what kept this Overwatch community very strong. And like I I think I'd been there two, three times. I forget how many times I've been there. But it was always a lot of fun. It always it it's what why what am I trying to say? Like on top of it just being a fun thing to watch, they, there were a lot of giveaways that they did too. There were special days where you could go, and like I got a free Soldier seventy six statue just by um j- just by going to one of the events. I think it's like between like a fifty to eighty dollar Soldier seventy six statue that I got for free just by going. So it was always a great way to be more engaged and involved with the league. But again, things have happened over the years. We had a pandemic. We had the blizzard debacle. Um, So the sponsors that we used to have, Toyota, Coca-Cola, Kellogg, State Farm, after all of the blizzard nonsense came out last summer when that lawsuit was filed, all of these sponsors slowly tapered off their sponsorship and as of last week the overwatch league doesn't have any sponsors listed on its website when sean miller who's the head now the the new head of the overwatch league um when they when they talked to him about it he said that um the league is in the middle of ongoing discussions with potential partners uh not just past sponsors but potential new ones as well Our plans for the season have been in the works for some time now, and we look to amplify those plans, obviously, 
with any potential partner. Um, the thing is, it's like, I know how long like negotiations like this take. And like, while we still have two months to go for them to update and announce that, that's not a long time. Like if you're still in the negotiation phase now, like that still has to go through a lot of departments within both companies. And if something's off, then you have to go back to the table and renegotiate all of that. And like starting your season without the proper funding and sponsorships, while they could come later, that's not a good sign. That's that just one that's going to not give a lot of confidence and faith in your organization. That's just going to make it harder also to like make events and just the season and everything continue to be feasible. Yeah, it it is a lot of work and you know sponsorships don't like come and go, you know. That's that's just how it is. It, but at this point like you have to be really careful about what you what you do, you know. So I I hope that you know the league finds sponsors that work for them. Um I hope that we, you know, can have another you know, fun sponsored event. And if not, like it might have to just come down to individual teams getting sponsors and then just seeing where it goes from there. I mean, like this is a very open-ended and just weird potential question, but like as it stands, who do you think would be a good partner or who do you think would be, would be good sponsors for Overwatch? Hmm. Um, Honestly, we'll take whoever we can get. We, on, <laughs> that's, fair. that's very fair. Like, who who honestly wants to be attached to Blizzard right now? Is absolutely question. no one. <laughs> like that is that is the 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 truth. Um, but yeah, it's it's going to be really difficult. I think for a lot of companies to like to to just say like, hey, we can like we want to be a part of this. Um. And there's not a lot of incentives because of like what happened with like the sponsors in general. Like it's it's tough to be on board with something that hasn't proven to make any money. Right. So uh, I feel like that's that's half the battle right now. It's like not proven to make money. And it also is embroiled in a very public and very ugly scandal right now. Yeah, I mean, unless you're super desperate and you just need money um, or, like, you have, like, a little bit of money to throw at the Overwatch League, like, I feel like at this point they're going to be taking, like, these random people. Like, (laughs) it's going to be, like, the smallest groups or, like, Mm. these very niche groups that just want in, you know? Yeah. I feel like, on one hand, we are grateful for anyone who wants to help make the Overwatch League successful and, and give it the funding that it needs. But on the other hand, you have to really wonder at this point, what company is comfortable with being associated with Blizzard like that? And like, why are they comfortable being associated with Blizzard right now? And, and do we trust the fact that they're comfortable being associated with Blizzard right now? Yeah, it's just super weird. Like, I don't, I don't know how to really approach this. In I a... feel like this is like, you know, about Woody Allen, right, Kevin? Yeah. 
like Woody Allen, for those of you who don't know, Woody Allen is a filmmaker known for things like Annie Hall. Um, he's the voice of the main ant in Ants with the Z. Um, he's made some other movies recently. And like the reason why he's so controversial is because he may, he allegedly like groomed his stepchildren into like sleeping with him and eventually like one of his stepchildren is now his wife um a lot of this really came out like it's been known for decades but a lot of it like really came out and was really an even bigger controversy alongside weinstein stuff when the uh, initial me too movement happened um and like while a lot of people don't want to touch him anymore because of like they don't want to be associated with his projects because of, of his um his scandals. There are other actors and, and other people in Hollywood who continue to work with him and are like, he's such a good visionary. And it's like, I think Kate Winslet was one who recently, I think Wonder Wheel was the last film he really did. And like, in spite of knowing the things that he's done and also been accused of, and stuff like hearing someone praise him feels very very strange and i feel like this is like the equivalent of that except not in hollywood and in the esports version it's like it's like hearing someone who's accused of like pretty much grooming their own stepchild like knowing that someone's doing that and saying oh yeah no i love working with him he's he's a great He's a great guy. He, he makes really good films. It's like, you're missing the big picture here. You're missing the elephant in the room intentionally. And I don't know if I trust your judgment at that point. And I feel like anybody who works with Blizzard right now is kind of in that position. It's like, it's like how I felt with when I told you about Microsoft and stuff. It's like how Microsoft didn't want to comment on Blizzard's mess because they have their own mess instead. Like it's the pot calling the kettle black yeah uh, I, I do feel like this is it's just weird um especially for like companies to say like hey we support this um so yeah it, it's cool that like we they need the funding they they need the funding to keep the desperately the need the funding the the other half of it though is still like hey we don't have like the greatest rep right now so once again it does come down to fixing your reputation first uh and then trying to acquire sponsors but you know if the fact that they're they're still pushing forward with trying to make the overwatch league a thing i think that you know whoever whoever they can get at this point is is who they're going to be most grateful to you know yeah yeah for sure I think that's it for the things that I found. Kevin, anything you want to talk about some more? Um, no, not really. It, it's just going to be a really busy weekend for Pokemon Unite in general. Um, I'm looking forward to it. I hope other people are looking forward to it. If you guys are into it or if you just want to hear me cast, I mean, that's totally an option that, that you can do. Um, just support me and, and my casting. Um, it is going to be really interesting to see how, like, how it plays out, too. Um, because I was I was talking about this with my mom actually. Like all the casters who they hired are just like, um, it, it's the same archetype I would say. Like married mustache men, 
and uh and then now that they have uh they have the girls now so it's not just just the men now um, married mustache girls uh, not necessarily but like it's it's still like a bunch of white people on the cast and i'm like oh hi there uh I, I would like to I would like to participate, but not play the diversity card. Um, mm. I am good. So it, it's just really different. I don't I don't know how else to really like go about it. Well, best of luck with the cast and hopefully like the the scene can be a lot more just naturally diverse without having to have the diversity hires at some yeah, point. Yeah, I, I hope I don't i'm not that diversity hire like it's just like if you're gonna hire me hire one other person with me too okay like yeah at, at least do that for me i i interviewed um jay oliva a while ago he uh he directed the trace series on netflix he directed pretty much every really good uh dc animated thing from the past forever like they're animated movies uh, Jay Oliva's done it. He's the one who started. He did Flashpoint and pretty much all the other good stuff after that. Um, when he first got tapped to do Trece, he's like, "Am I being hired just because I'm Filipino, not because I'm a good director? Is it just because I'm Filipino?" So like, it it doesn't. It's it's everywhere. It's it's a question that just all people of color whenever they get hired, it's like, we have to ask ourselves is like, am I being hired for the value of my work or the value of my image? You know? Yeah. Also, if you happen to be at the forum on this Saturday, the 26th, seeing Joe Coy and want to say hi and, and are not planning on, on murdering me for, for social internet clout, let me know. And and we can say hi, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Please, I I don't want I don't need another host. Okay, like Matt, Matt's good. I don't don't murder my co-host, please. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, thank you so much for listening. As always, hope you have a good rest of March because that is one quarter of the year down, and three more left to go. Hooray! Um, enjoy your games. And yeah, talk to y'all next week. Have a great week and listen to Kevin Cast on Pokemon. Adios. Next week, we bring you the latest in gaming and pop culture news. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. If you like what you hear, please like, rate, and subscribe to us on all your favorite podcast platforms and follow us on all social media at Believe in OWL. Questions or comments? Please send us an email at believeinowl at gmail.com. If you'd like to advertise with our show, please contact our network at believe.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.